Hey there, welcome. This is Daniel M. from Beulah Alliance Church. As we open up the scriptures together, I hope this helps you know Jesus deeply and be known by him fully. Enjoy the message. The good life. Now when you think about the good life, what comes to mind? The fitness center? <laughs> it's not free advertising. Well, I guess it is free advertising. Whoops. Uh, <laughs> no more deadlines. Uh, homework, maybe that's what you think about when you think about the good life. Maybe it's no more bills to pay, uh, not being able to ever have to worry about whether or not you can afford something. Maybe that's the good life to you. Or perhaps it's unlimited books and unlimited time to read them. <laughs> Maybe that's the good life. Or perhaps it's health, the eradication of all sickness, disease, death, when you think about the good life, what comes to mind? Is it a private jet that'll take you wherever you want, whenever you want? Uh, or maybe it's uh, literally just everyone doing what you tell them to do because your way's the best. <laughs> right? When you think about the good life, what, what does that look like for you? Well, last week in Philippians 3, verse 4 to 6, we saw how Paul used to put his confidence in his status and his achievements. He used to believe that he was living the good life until he met Christ. And then his perspective shifted. Take a look at what he says about this change in our passage for today, Philippians 3, starting from verse seven. But everything that was a gain to me, I've considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because of him, I've suffered the loss of all things and consider them as dung so that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. What a change in perspective, right? Has this ever happened to you where, where something happened and all of a sudden your perspective changed? Like perhaps you used to play a lot of sports and then you got injured. And after getting injured, you realized, well, you couldn't play the sports the way that you used to. And, and while that initially kind of rocked you and your daily schedule and all that stuff, you, you eventually realized that there's more to life than sports and your perspective changed. Or maybe it's when you lost your job or you retired and you woke up the next day and you're, you just felt off because your daily rhythms were, were so different. And then eventually as, as time passed, you found a new job or you discovered that God was calling you into a new season, a different season in retirement that you wouldn't have known or discovered otherwise. And then your perspective changed. Or maybe it was after you or your loved one was unexpectedly diagnosed by the doctor and, and there was something startling that you, I mean, it was an unexpected diagnosis. And, and as you were wrestling with that, 
and having to change your diet and change your schedule and, 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 and what you knew as life, like what normal was as that all continued to get upended and you went from doctor appointment to another doctor appointment to another one. Um, what at first was this hard change that you couldn't come to grips with, all of a sudden your perspective shifted and you were like, wait, wait a second. Yes, that's on this side of eternity, but, but life doesn't end when I pass away. And your perspective shifted. You know, every time something like this happens to me or I'm at a funeral, it's, it's like, it's like I'm getting a wake-up call. It's almost like someone's, someone grabs me by the shoulders and yelling out, Daniel, wake up! This life isn't all that there is. You're not invincible. Life will end. You're fragile. You're human. You're not God. Friends, this is what happened to Paul when he met Christ. He was living the good life as he thought he was, as it thought it was. <laughs> and then he met Christ and his perspective on that good life changed. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to discover how knowing Christ is greater than the good life. Actually, we're going to go a step further than that and, and realize and discover that knowing Christ is the good life. And more specifically, knowing Christ is the good life because Christ is greater than any accomplishments that we might take pride in, any experiences that we might value greatly, or any stability that we might long for. So let's start by examining how knowing Christ is greater than any accomplishments. Now when you take a look at that phrase, this means that knowing Christ is greater than any promotion you might be after. Right, knowing Christ is greater than getting good grades. It's greater than health. Greater than having anything you want whenever you want it. Money, riches, degrees, cars, fame. Knowing Christ is greater than all of that. It's greater than any accomplishments that you've had and accomplishments that you want to have. That's why Paul says what he says in verse 7. But everything that was a gain to me, I've considered to be a loss because of Christ. Because of Christ. You know, Paul used to think that he was living the good life. If you take a look at verse 5 and 6, we talked about it last week. Like that, he was living the good life according to his perspective, but when he met Christ, everything changed. Everything that was, that was on his walls for all to see, like all the accomplishments that he used to take pride in, all of that, he realized wasn't as valuable or wasn't as important as he once thought once he met Christ. And you know what? He had it all. I mean, it's one thing for someone who's like in a race and at the at, you know, last place in the race to be like, oh, forget it. This doesn't matter. Knowing Christ is better than this race and then to drop out, right? Like it's one thing for someone who's last place to say that. But for Paul, he was at the top of his game. Like people didn't look 
down at him, people looked up at him because he was at the top of the top. He was in his prime. But when Paul met Christ, he realized that what he used to value was actually, he realized was temporary, that a lot of these accomplishments he had been working toward and had not yet achieved some, he was like, actually, it's all fragile and, and temporary, and I, I, I can't even take any of this when I die. That's what he came to terms with. Because the only thing that lasts is our relationship with Christ. That's why he says what he says to Timothy. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out. Is this how you see things? Or are you chasing after accomplishments or being accomplished? Now, I just want to set things straight here. Paul's not saying that, that striving after accomplishments doesn't matter. Right? He's not fatalistic. And he's not apathetic. He's not like, nothing matters in life. Uh, forget it. I'm not going like, to try my hand at anything. Right? That's, not, that's not what he's saying here. He is, Paul is very driven. And there's nothing wrong with being driven. I mean, I'm, I'm very driven. For example, I am a part of a cohort of fellow lead pastors, and a couple times a year we travel to other churches that have um, done succession well, and they're led by faithful individuals who love Jesus are, and are growing vibrant and healthy churches. And I go and I sit with them, and I learn, and I ask questions, and, I, and, I, and, and we, we take time to learn and grow together. And for me, I've been preaching for 16 years, but I have a preaching coach. And this preaching coach is helping me grow in my ability and in the craft of communicating God's word in a, in a faithful and relevant manner. And on top of that, Saturday mornings, I wake up early before the sun's up. Well, actually, that doesn't really mean anything anymore these days, right? Because... It's depressingly dark. Uh, so, but you know, when that meant something, I'd wake up before it was dark Saturday mornings uh, to write. I'm writing my fourth book right now on discipleship and how churches can be more faithful at that because God's placed this burden on my heart. So there's nothing wrong with having goals in life and wanting to, wanting to accomplish them and wanting to do that. There's nothing, Paul's not saying that that's wrong. What he's saying is that knowing Christ is greater than that. He's not saying it's either know Christ or go after accomplishments. No, he's just saying that knowing Christ is greater than that. So instead of only chasing after accomplishments, He's saying, what would it look like for us to chase after Christ more than what we chased after everything else? What would it look like if we were to make sure that our relationship with Christ is priority? Because you know what, in the grand scheme of things, the only thing that will last is our relationship with Christ. That's why I love what it says in Psalm 49. So don't be impressed with those who get rich and pile up fame and fortune. They can't take it with them. Fame and fortune all get left behind. Just when they think they've arrived and folks praise them because they've made good, this is sobering, they enter the family burial plot where they'll never see sunshine again. 
We aren't immortal, we don't last long. Like our dogs, we age and weaken and die. So friends, may our hunger for Christ eclipse our hunger for everything and anything else. And may we realize deep down inside, into our bones, that knowing Christ is greater than any accomplishments on this side of eternity. Now, knowing Christ is not only greater than any accomplishments in our lives, but knowing Christ is also greater than any experience that we might long for or any experience that we might chase after. Knowing Christ, our second point, is greater than experiences. It's greater than living in the moment. Knowing Christ is greater than traveling or exploring the world. That's why we read what it says in verse eight. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Friends, Paul's not talking about accomplishments here anymore. He's talking about all things, which includes our growing desire in our culture and subsequently in our lives for experiences over things. In fact, do you know that every generation, research shows that every generation now is spending more money on experiences than things? For the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about knowing Jesus, right? Like knowing him. But, but have you ever asked yourself, like, what does it mean to know someone? Like, what, what does it mean when we talk about knowing Jesus? When Paul talks about knowing Christ in this passage, like, what is he talking about? Well, on the one hand, knowing can mean I, I can know something about you, right? Like, I can know that you like the Oilers, Right, like, like something I can know about you. Like I can also know that the reason you can't play hockey with pigs is because they hog the puck, <laughs> right? Or that the reason magicians are so good at hockey is because they always have a hat trick. Oh, I thought that was better than the other one. <laughs> anyway, uh, we know that, right? Like we can know things about something or about someone, but we can, also know, uh, we can also know someone else relationally, right? We can know someone personally as well. So when Paul says here in this passage that nothing compares to knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, he's not talking about nothing compares to knowing all the facts that I know about Jesus. He's talking about nothing compares to knowing Jesus relationally. Nothing compares to knowing Jesus as my friend and my brother. Yes, he's our savior and our king, but he's also our friend and our brother. You know, knowing Christ is greater than any and every experience. Like, like even in Alberta, where going to a Garth Brooks concert seems like the epitome of experiences. Like literally at Rogers Place, there's banners for the Garth Brooks concert beside the Oilers winning the Stanley Cup. Like what? Like how does that make sense? Knowing Christ is greater than that Garth Brooks concert, but you know what? Knowing Christ is also greater than going to a Taylor Swift concert too, or a Harry Styles one. Literally anything that you in your mind say, hey, this is the epitome of it all. I love being here. Knowing Christ is greater than that. 
Now, when you think about this act of knowing someone relationally and growing in relationship with someone, like you can't, you can't do that by looking at their Instagram profile, right? Like social media, you can know stuff about someone, but you, you don't, you can't know, like you can't know them relationally through social media. The only way that you can know someone relationally is by spending time with them. And when we spend time with Jesus through worship, I mean, this is one of the best ways that we can know Jesus. So, I mean, just think about this, right? Um, I love the story of Jesus and Mary when Jesus goes and visits Mary and Martha's house and Mary sits at the feet of Jesus. You remember that story? And it's interesting because Mary sits at the feet of Jesus. If you're not familiar with the story, she sits at his feet and all the hustle and bustle is going on around her and she just sits and she spends time with him. She doesn't necessarily want to do things. She just wants to sit and sit and gaze and sit in awe of him and, and, and grow in her relationship with him. When we worship our king, this is what happens. When we worship Jesus, we are spending time relationally with him. We are growing in, in, in our relationship with him. We are, we are looking at, at him. We are, we, are, we are gazing upon his face and our relationship is strengthening through worship. Worship's not group karaoke, right? Like worship is spending time with Jesus. So you know what? I want to do that with you right now. We have one more point. Um, in this message, and we're going to get there, but I want to just hit the pause button, and I want to worship Jesus together with you. So I'm going to grab my guitar. Uh, this is, I, I love at home spending time with Jesus in worship, uh, and I often will pull out my guitar to do that because um, I find that it's just a great way to focus, a great way to just not play with my hands or, or get distracted, but, but to, to just sit and worship. Thank you. Um, because you know what, before I'm a pastor or a preacher, I'm a worshiper. And uh, before you're a mom or a dad or an electrician or a plumber, uh, you're a worshiper. We are children of God, and our primary task in our relationship and cultivating that is, is worshiping Jesus. So I want to sing this song with you. It's an, it's an oldie. It's been recently covered um, a few times recently, but I want to sing this together with you. So if you know the song, why don't you sing along with me? If you don't know it, it's easy to catch on, uh, but let's spend this time not listening, but spend this time worshiping our King. Yeah. 
joy, my righteousness, and I love Now my heart's desire is to know you more, to be found in you, and known as yours, to possess by faith what I could not earn, all surpassing. And I love you, Lord. 
Jesus. Pray that we would recognize deep within inside of our bones that knowing you is greater. That whatever we've placed in our lives as being the thing that we are chasing after and longing after, pray that you would remind us especially when we worship, that knowing you is greater. Friends, knowing Christ, knowing Christ is the greatest experience. Knowing Christ is greater than any accomplishments that we might be after. Thank you. Any sense of experience that we might be longing for. And as we'll see in our third point, knowing Christ is greater than stability. I mean, what, what is stability anyway, right? I mean, stability is that sense of things being stable when, when things stay the same, don't change. I mean, stability is, actually, stability is safety, isn't it? Stability is safety. When we're not in fight, flight, or freeze mode, when we're not stressed. So as I was thinking about this concept of stability, uh, I thought of this, I mean, you've probably been wondering, like, what the heck is underneath that? <laughs> it's a snow globe. I mean, take a look at this, right? Like, this is, the, this is the picture of stability. Like, nothing, I mean, it's lifeless, but nothing's moving. Right? This is stability. It's tranquil. It's calm. Nothing's moving until I do this, <laughs> right? Or until someone does this and shakes it off. Then what happens after you do this? It's chaos, isn't it? It's a blizzard. There's no way to quickly go through. It's like, I wish I could snap my fingers and make this all calm again, but you can't, right? You just have to let time pass. You know, I, I think some of us, long for stability so much that, I mean, this, it's not, a, you're not chasing after accomplishments or experiences, like, you, all you want in life is stability. Like, you want peace. You want calm. You can give up everything else if you had that. But I'm sorry to say that if living in perpetual stability is your life goal, you're fooling yourself. 
because you're not in control of everything around you, right? Like we're not in control of life. I mean, so maybe, maybe you're like, yeah, but you know what, Daniel, if I build boundaries and set up systems and structures so that nothing can rock the table and shake this, then, right, then I'm going to get stability, right? You know, well, until you don't have stability because something, you know, someone tips, the, tip the, tips this over or, or someone gets sick or, or some sort of health crisis comes upon you and you're like, yeah, okay, well, that didn't work. And then there are some people who are like, yeah, but you know what, I, I know how to get stability. People are the problem. So I'm just going to isolate myself and not be around people, not open up too much because then I can get hurt. Well, the problem with that is that when chaos comes, not if, right? When chaos comes, you're going to be all alone. So that doesn't work either, right? That doesn't make sense. Friends, knowing Christ is greater than chasing after this elusive dream of stability. Now, there's nothing wrong with wanting stability. Like, I want stability. I don't like getting in fights. I want things to stay calm in every aspect and peaceful in every aspect of my life. There's nothing wrong with that, but we need to recognize that when we, that when we long for stability, the thing that is driving that deep inside of us is a desire for control. Because when things start changing around us and creating that chaos, the instability and the unpredictability of it all makes us feel like we're out of control, right? Like the snow globe is being shaken. We want to calm the snow globe down, but we can't because we're not in control. You know, friends, I'm convinced that this is why the last few years have been so tough on all of us. So it's almost like every sense of stability that was, that, that was in our lives got ripped out and torn out from underneath of us, right? And then just when things, a few months later, started feeling like normal and calm again, then what happened? Shake, 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 and everything became chaotic again. And then a couple months later, everything started settling down again, and then it was all shaken up. Well... As we see here in this passage, instead of longing for stability, Paul shows us that knowing Christ is greater than that. We see this in verse 8. Because of him I've suffered the loss of all things and consider them as dung, so that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. Paul's saying here that he had once lost all sense of stability. That's what he means when he says he suffered the loss of all things. But when his life was chaotic and he lost that sense of stability, he didn't whine and complain about this. He actually said, you know what, that, that longing for stability, my desire and, and, and want for that is actually dumb. Like that, that's what he says here, literally. In this, he says, I consider that dung. Everything that I used to find stability in, I see it now. Now that I know Christ, everything that I used to find stability in is waste. It's filth. It doesn't last. It's not reliable. It's not trustworthy. 
because stability can only be found in Christ. And so we see here, when we see here in verse 8 and 9, that when we gain Christ and find ourselves in him, not basing our stability on our works and our righteousness or our ability to keep everything in a nice and neat box, but instead when we recognize that stability is only found in Christ and through Christ for what he has done in us, then, right, then we can rest and we can breathe and find stability. We can rest in the finished work, Christ's finished work on the cross for us. Because knowing Christ is greater than stability. So my dear brothers and sisters, do you know this? Like not just up here, but do you know deep inside of your bones? Do you know this? And are you building your life on Christ? Are you building your life on the cornerstone of Jesus, the one who can calm the storms and the chaos and the blizzards in our lives? I mean, just take a look at what Jesus does in Matthew 8. This is incredible. Verse 24, suddenly a violent storm arose on the sea so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But Jesus kept sleeping, so the disciples came and woke him up saying, Lord, save us, we're going to die. He said to them, why are you afraid, you of little faith? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. Like, that's crazy. Can you imagine that? Like, it's almost like this was being shaken, and it, you know, and, and all there's chaos, you couldn't see anything in front of you. And then with the snap of his fingers, Jesus made it all calm. If we allow enough time to pass, this will settle, right? The chaos will settle for, for a little bit. But in Jesus, even in the midst of all that, he can calm it in an instant. Because stability is found in him. That's why, that's why they were like, the men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Like, that, that is crazy. They've never seen that. Even the winds and the sea obey him. Friends, this is who Jesus is. And when we follow him, he doesn't promise to take away the storms of our lives. He promises to be with us in the midst of the storms. And even in that situation that you might be in, as you look all around you, even if it's complete chaos, Jesus has the ability to calm the storm inside of you and to give you a peace that is supernatural, a stability that is supernatural, that is not based on your circumstances. He is able to do that. Only he is able to do that in an instant. That's why knowing Christ is so incredible. So friends, as we wrap up this message, I want us to listen to a new song. It's called Firm Foundation. And when we hear this song, I pray that all the things that have been stirring inside of you through this message would settle down and would soak deep inside of your bones and your soul. That you would recognize, as this song is being sung over you, that knowing Christ is greater than the good life, because knowing Christ is greater than any accomplishments that you might take pride in, any experiences that you might long for, and any sense of stability that you might desire. Knowing Christ is greater than all of that, 
because knowing Christ is the good life. So why don't we stand and let's allow the truth of this to be, to, to soak deep inside of us. It's a song, Firm Foundation, and uh, you'll be able to catch on quick, uh, but let's, let's worship and spend time with Jesus through the song. Christ is my firm foundation The rock on which I stand When everything around me is shaken I've never been more glad That I put my faith in Jesus Cause he's never let me down He's faithful through generations So why would he fail now? He won't He won't So I won't be going 
Matthew 7, these are the words of Jesus. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house, yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. Let's pray. So Jesus, we come before you. for those of us who know you, for those of us who have a relationship with you, would you reveal our foundation? And would you show us if our foundation, what our foundation is built on, and if it's solely on you and you alone, Jesus, or if it's Jesus plus something else? Lord, if it's Jesus plus something else, would you allow the rains to come, the winds to blow, the rivers to rise, and the blizzards to ensue, so that that shaky foundation that is not from you and not of you and not you would be washed away. 
so that we can build our life fully and wholly on you and you alone. We pray that you would do it mercifully, that you would do it gracefully and lovingly. And for those here who don't know you, Jesus, I pray that they would build their lives anew and afresh on the only foundation that won't crumble, upon you and you alone, Jesus Christ. So lead us, Lord, and may we know you deeply and be known by you fully so that we can make you known in greater Edmonton and around this world for your glory, honor, and fame. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, church family, it's been so good to worship together with you. If you'd like to pray with someone, we have prayer partners at uh, the end of every one of our services, and we'd love to talk with you. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, and you want to learn what it means to build your foundation on Jesus, uh, please come to the front as well, and we'd love to talk to you about that. Have a great week, everyone. Grace and peace. Thanks for listening, and thank you for giving. Your giving makes this podcast possible and helps us share this message with others. If today's message made you realize that you need to take your next step with Jesus, we'd love to help you with that. The easiest way to do that is by going to beulah.family on your browser. On that page, you'll find our social media links, links to upcoming events, and a link to give. And don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast. We'll see you soon.